Welcome to the fifth episode of Interviews with Environmental Professionals. We are the Society for the Environment. As a brief introduction, the Society holds a Royal Charter and we are the custodians of two professional registrations, Charter Environmentalist Register with post-nominal CM and the Registered Environmental Technician Register with the post-nominals RMTech. To view our licensed bodies or for more information about our organisation, please visit our website, socenv.org.uk. So good morning, everybody, and welcome to the next in the SOCM series of podcasts. Today, I'm really pleased to uh, be speaking to Martin Baxter. Martin is Chief Policy Advisor at IEMA, um, a board member at IEMA, and a board member at uh, the Society as well. But today we're very much speaking to Martin in his capacity as a chartered environmentalist. So, um, hi Martin, um, can you just start us off by telling us a little bit about your current job and your role? Well, uh, hi Emma, and it's great to be uh, on the podcast. Uh, great to um, be able to speak to people uh, more broadly about you know what my role is and how CM has really kind of helped to elevate that you know sense of professionalism in this exciting profession. So for my role, um, it's very much externally focused, and it's really about how I can, um, I call it joining the dots, actually, um, between different policy strands and try and um, make change at scale, um, both nationally and internationally, through um, changing policy and developing standards and um, getting blockers out of the way so that uh, IEMA members and other chartered environments can make a bigger difference in their roles. That's really interesting because we we do hear a lot from uh, from chartered environmentalists about those barriers and those uh, issues that they face, and I, I know you've kind of done a lot of work on that. Um, just kind of give us a kind of a typical example of the things that you're doing to try and join some of those dots. Um, kind of what's the expected things within your role? Um, well, the current things that I'm working on at the moment. So one would be on the forthcoming environment bill. I've been doing a lot of work on that, on trying to get a long-term governance framework uh, for enhancing the environment over the next generation and beyond. And within that, that will create demand for a significant amount of investment in tackling plastic waste, in enhancing water quality, in dealing with air pollution, um, so there's a whole set of investments that are really going to need it if we're going to transform um, our natural environment and do it in a way which is um, in tune with the economy. So that's one part in terms of creating demand for investment. The other bit then is, um, in terms of joining the dots, is what we need to make sure that the finance sector is going to channel significant investment into that and make capital available. So. Um, I'm involved in the development of national and international standards on sustainable finance to make sure that we get that flow of capital into um, projects and activities which puts us on a trajectory to both net zero here in the UK and more broadly, but also tackling some of those big environmental challenges. So that's a kind of an example of where we try and join the dots um, on a macro scale, um, and then hopefully that kind of flows through into on-the-ground activity. We at the Society have had the kind of the the pleasure of seeing some of that work develop over the last few months and kind of recognise the amount of effort that has gone into that work on environmental policy. Um, What are some of the challenges that you kind of faced along the way? This is a a difficult road to walk often. Um, There are some big challenges 
um, both in terms of working in political cycles, which tend to be five years, and they crash against um, both economic cycles and they certainly crash against natural cycles. So aligning timescales, uh, what can be achieved um, by decision makers, um, recognizing that some decisions that are made today won't manifest themselves in change for quite a long time is a political challenge quite often, and therefore that requires quite a lot of hard work. In my own work, that also is true in that a lot of the things that I am working on or have uh, notionally achieved, the benefits of those probably won't be felt for the next decade or well beyond. Um, and so sometimes you lose sight of the facts of the changes that you've made and the effect that they might have, which is why when I go home, sometimes cutting the grass is quite nice because I cut the grass and I can see a, a physical manifestation of I, I put some effort in, I can see an immediate result. Um, but that's, that, that's one of the big challenges sometimes in terms of trying to shift things on a macro scale, um, which you're not totally in control of. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I kind of share the view with my allotment, actually. I've grown something quick, well, reasonably quick response from that. Um, so obviously the, the work you've been doing recently must be a massive kind of highlight. Any other kind of big career highlights that you would point to? Yeah, I mean, I'm, in my role at IEMA, it's, I'm very fortunate to be at the centre and have been at the centre of the development of environmental policy and the profession over a long time. So um, this is before your time at SOCAM, actually, Emma. Um, I was um, involved in developing SOCAM with its charter and the competency criteria um, and, you know, the first chartered environments that came through those. Um, you know, that's really important. Um, back in 2010-11, um, a lot of the work that we did with the government at the time, so this was the coalition government, was on the introduction of mandatory reporting of greenhouse gas emissions. And we did a lot of work with government economists on the cost-benefit analysis and getting IEMA members' contributions into what those costs and benefits would be into the evidence base which went before Parliament on that decision. I think that was um, something that really pleased uh, to have been involved in. And a little bit more recently on um, on an international scale is that I've been involved in uh, developing global standards and in essence I now chair one of the groups in ISO is responsible for some of the standards in the 14, ISO 14,000 Environmental Management Series. So I was involved in um, and led for the UK on ISO 14,000 Environmental Management Systems. I now chair the group in ISO of about 100 countries uh, and that standard is used by hope for half a million organisations in all countries around the world. So being able to, I think I mentioned the phrase, being able to try, try to make change at scale um, is something that is a, a real drive and a passion and a focus of what I try to do. And so whether that's in terms of numbers, so half a million companies would like a lot more, but that's a good, solid basis on which you can drive meaningful change. Equally, something like the Environment Bill, which... Um, if we get it right, and it is the governing constitution for the environment in the UK, you know, to beyond 2050, 2060, then that could have a really powerful effect. So it's trying to find those key things where um, we can leverage the profession's voice and deliver that with government and working partnership with others to make it happen. 
that's really interesting. Um, my next question is normally asking uh, RCMs, do you feel you've made a difference in your role? Um, certainly we we see that difference and some of those things you've highlighted there, it's very clear the difference, but do you, do you feel like you make a difference in your role? Or... I think it's, I, I, there are things that I know that have happened that I know without my contribution wouldn't have happened. Um, so one would be, uh, certainly when we first started on the revision of ISO 14001, we were, you know, I was really focused on making sure that this wasn't just um, managing the organization's impact on the environment, but it was also how our organization was going to be able to respond to external environmental change. And what does that mean in terms of risks to supply chains, to operational footprints, and the ability to kind of operate the organization, um, and not just in the public sector, private sector. So there are things like that that you just know that um, probably without that, that, that drive um, and some of the arguments that I had with my peers from around the world, uh, and now that's in there and embedded, and people can see that that's obviously it should be. So that's been quite satisfying. Um, so we've been able to do something like that. That's really good. So um, thinking back to the, the kind of start of your career and, and where you've got to where you are now, um, why did you choose this profession? Is it kind of, did it choose you? Did you choose it? Um, well, this goes back to a tale of um, hopelessly failing and bombing on my A-levels. Um, so I was, you know, my, my career trajectory was going to be finance and accounting. Um, and... Um, maybe it's a combination of arrogance and a family <laughs> health issue, um, which kind of made me lose focus. Um, so my other results were not they were expected to be, and but I did really well on geography, and that was a real something that you know just inherently was kind of in me. Um, so I went and studied geography, well, Earth and my studies, um, and it was fantastic. Absolutely loved it. Um, after that, it was at the kind of late eighties. Um, impossible to get a job. Um, after a year um, doing odd jobs, I went and did a master's at Oxford Brooks. Um, that was in environmental assessment and management. And from there, I started work at one of the predecessor bodies of IEMA, um, right at the bottom. And then it was a case of, okay, well, how can I, I'm going to develop something meaningful in terms of a career. Um, what do I need to do to go from the top to from the bottom and work my way through the organisation? And that's kind of how I got started. I think we're all pretty pleased that you bombed on your A-levels. <laughs> <laughs> Although your parents probably didn't say that at the time, but good, good, good news. Um, so you, you talked there about, um, did well in geography and it was something, a kind of subject that you were really interested in. So when did you first develop an awareness um, and interest in the environment? Well, it's tempting to say I've always had that interest. So, you know, we used to go and spend time. In, well, I lived in a sort of like semi-rural area, so was always out. Um, used to kind of help out a local farm. Um, I we would always be going walking in like the Yorkshire Dales or the um, in the Lake Districts or North Wales. So this was just a natural part of my childhood in terms of being out and about in the environment and the natural world. And I guess that just sticks. Um, and so a lot of things come intuitively to me without having to kind of work very hard at it, which is probably kind of um, the lesson of my A-levels, um, <laughs> <laughs> where the things that I did need to work harder. 
uh, didn't do very well. But um, so I think it's just that I don't know. There's some kind of in, internal connection that, um, that that just works for me. Okay, good. Okay, good bit of career advice in there. Pick what what you like and what you're good yeah, at. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, you were one of the first chartered environmentalists, and you said as well that you were kind of involved in kind of creating that standard 15 years ago now. So what does being a CM mean to you? I think the profession is is, is, is generally considered to be an emerging profession. Um, and although we have 15 years, but if you put it in context of quite a lot of other professions, then um, it, it's fairly new and incredibly dynamic. And so a notion of professionalism, which is about um, both personal reputation, but also a feeling of being part of something which is... Um, both a career and a profession which is um, can stand alongside others um, is really important. And I think it's as much about being able to say um, whether you're stood against um, you know, an engineer and you're working on a trying to develop a solution to a particular problem, or you're looking about you know, how can I make the business case and how can I really get money out of the finance director. Um, to make this change because this is right for the long term success of the organization, then you know what professional routing do you have to be able to give that advice and how can somebody else potentially rely on that? So that to my mind is where um where it's really important. You you won't hear us disagreeing with any with any of that. So um what would you say to others um thinking about a career in the environment? What advice would you give to people? Well, the obvious thing is do it and get into it. And there, there, are, there is such variety. Um, so you might be looking about how to optimise across multiple different environmental um, issues and understand the interconnections and the, you know, and how these relate to natural systems and how the natural system is linked to social and economic systems. Um, so there is some... You know, there's sort of some big strategic issues that we need to deal with. Equally, there's a deep scientific routing in a lot of this, and that's really important as well. So, and let's face it, the world and society has significant environmental challenges, which at the moment are getting more urgent to resolve. Um, so we need the best trained, most competent people dealing with the biggest challenges that society and the economy face and that is environment and climate change and um, i would much rather encourage people to be part of being being part of the solution to these and driving ideas and driving change um, rather than being a contributor to even more problems so this is a a profession that you can be both professionally and personally connected into in a way that maybe a lot of other professions you might not be able to unleash your passion. Yeah, that's great. I completely agree with that. We've just um, seen the first environmental practitioners entering into their apprenticeships, and it's really good to see that enthusiasm and that passion combined with that professional um, career aspiration as well. So I think that's that's good advice. It, it's great. And, and I think what's really important is that there are more opportunities um, emerging or roots into the profession. Um, so um, it's great to hear mention of the um, the new 
think one would call degree level apprenticeship. Um, that's fantastic. It's also, um, we, we see a lot of people who are what we call career changers, um, people who've got a lot of skills and experience from working over a long period of time, um, now focusing on environment needed to enhance their knowledge. And there are different routes into the profession, so it's never too late to develop a career in this area. It's not something that you need to come in right from the bottom in terms of um, you know leaving school or college or university or whatever and, and, and building your career. Lots of people do that, um, but it's not the only way in, and that's really important. So um, as somebody listening is is in that position of being a career changer and they're very interested, what, what would you advise them to do? Where should they start? I think certainly when we, at uh, time we have something called the sustainability skills map and that has three distinct areas. One is understanding the fundamentals. Second is around tools and techniques for making, uh, you know, and policy change. And then the third is about those kind of those core skills that are needed to drive change. So that could be around communication. And what you would find is that, uh, and I think this crosses over into all aspects of, um, you know, environmental professionalism. Um, in order to make change, you need to have those generic skills, um, whether it's communication, analytical thinking, um, the ability to manage data, the ability to communicate messages to leaders, et cetera, et cetera. Um, lots of people will have those. They might also have some other areas which they've been able to touch on where they've had some experience. So it's about mapping where you might have some gaps and then thinking, actually, probably for those people, as much about the knowledge as it is around skills. So it's about them focusing on knowledge and there are different ways in which you can pick that up. There are shorter training courses, there are degree programs, there are modules that universities offer. So I think there's a, a, a real blend. Um, that's the exciting thing about getting involved in this profession. Brilliant, thank you. Um, some of those details that Martin was talking about, we'll, uh, we'll add to show notes as well. So if you are interested, uh, please visit the website and uh, we'll hopefully signpost you in the right direction. So um, what's next for you? Short term, I've been talking about long term, but the short term is get the environment bill um, from being in draft stage through into um, what we hope at some point will be um, a passage through Parliament and onto the statute book. Um, there are some big opportunities there to make long term change, and we're already working, and I'm already working with a whole set of different business sectors around how we can make change in practice um, through the lifetime of that act, in particular the first few years. So this will be about um, not just getting a bill on the statute book, um, but it's actually about driving the change that that should enable. So that's one of the things. I think as well internationally, um, I'm fortunate that the, um, the work that I do in, in ISO um, can have quite a big outreach. Um, and so some of the work that we've been doing um, lends itself to cluster building. Um, so it's not just about creating standards that can be used on a global basis, but it's also about um, working with some of the people that are in, in, in my committee and their colleagues around giving them the skills and capabilities to deploy those and trying to align international development agencies, for example, into supporting this so that this is about how you can hardwire environment into other economies. Um, so I think that's something that um, can very much on my radar. 
Excellent. That's really good to hear. And we look forward to seeing it as well. So just one last question. If you were able to influence world leaders for a day, what would be the first thing that you would do? I think I think knowledge is power. And really understanding the interconnections between the natural environment and society um, is critical for all leaders and my my expectation and experience is probably that they don't all have it and somehow less than others and I think really understanding that the future of their, their countries and whatever they are leaders in um, so like world leaders um, that they are part of a system and that system is governed to a large extent not just by their own if you like economic power but it's also governed by natural processes and those natural processes are always going to be bigger in terms of the power that they have uh, to show what happens on this world than they will ever have and it's the realization that that is the case and how they can work within that um, to ensure that there isn't a radical rapid change from the natural world which will severely impact communities um, and people and populations. Um, that would be probably the biggest message I would want to make. I think that makes perfect sense. So many thanks, Martin. That's been really interesting. If you want to learn more about Martin's work, then head over to the IMA website where there's lots of information. You can also follow Martin on Twitter. He's very good at keeping us all up to date with the various developments in the work that they are doing. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you. If you want to know more about Chartered Environmentalists or Registered Environmental Technicians, please get in touch with the Society. We're always more than happy to help you out. Our website is socemv.org.uk. We have recorded webinars on how to become and why become CM when our own tech on our YouTube channel, Society for the Environment, and you can also follow us on Twitter at socemv underscore HQ to keep up to date with all the Society's latest news. We will release a new episode on the first Wednesday of each month, so if you're interested in our future podcasts, please subscribe to hear more from us. You can subscribe and review through Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. We look forward to hearing from another CM next time. Thank you.